Hey, and welcome to the Motherhood Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Lockwood. And if you ever look around your house and wonder where the heck did all this stuff come from and how am I ever going to get it out, you are in the right place. I'm a mom of five who decluttered her home back in 2013 when my family and I decided to move from Alaska to Florida with one suitcase each. And I do not recommend it. What I do recommend is learning how to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist, which means learning to find the balance of what your family needs and wants without it being so much that it overwhelms you on a daily basis. So if that sounds good to you, you are going to love this podcast. Let's dive into the episode. been trying to declutter your house and not been as successful as you like, I am willing to bet that I can help you figure out exactly why. There are a lot of reasons that moms feel like they can't declutter, declutter, whether it's their kids or their spouse or the time or the energy or just simply not knowing what to do, where to take things, how to donate, right? How to do it mindfully, how to not be wasteful. Uh, Plus you're worried about like, what if I need it? You know, I wasted so much money on this. What if I need it again and I can't get it? There is so much that goes into decluttering as a mom. And I promise that if you have thought it or felt it, I have heard it before or experienced it myself. And that is exactly why I created this training called how to create your mom proof decluttering plan. And I've done a lot of decluttering checklists, challenges, courses, programs in the past, and they work. And this training really is the framework for every single thing that moms need to consider when it comes to decluttering their home. It's the plan. We're actually going to build your plan together. It's following through with your plan and it's including your family and even learning how to make this process as enjoyable as possible. Because most people feel like The task is daunting or just another thing on their to-do list, and I don't want it to feel like that for you. So this free training, how to create your mom-proof decluttering plan, you can go to motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY to get it, or you can just check the show notes of this episode and you will find it. Come get it. I know there is so much information about there. A lot of it is much the same. Five steps to declutter your house, you know? Here's the checklist to declutter this area of your house, but none of them really show you the full scope of what goes into doing this start to finish. And that's exactly what's in this training. So go check it out, motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY, or check the description of this episode to go get it today. Yeah. So I'm the founder. Sorry. I'm the founder of Smart Money Mamas, which is a place where we teach women how to build wealth in alignment with their values and really accept wealth into their lives. I think a lot of us are still afraid of money, afraid that we won't be able to manage money. We aren't worthy of money. And so we want to really rewrite those mindsets so that not only you can build your own version of a wealthy life, whatever that looks like, but so you can pass that on to your kids as well and really change those generational narratives. My background is that I was a kid who was always super fascinated by money. I was reading economics textbooks and investing books when I was at 12, 13 years old. It was just something I loved to figure out how money worked in the world. And so I went to college. I was an economics and math double major. Um, I graduated a year early and I went to Wall Street. And so I went and worked at Goldman Sachs in New York City for several years. And my job there was to be an equity analyst. So equity is another word for stock. Stock is a tiny piece of ownership in a company. So just in case we need that verbiage. And so what my job was to do was to look at a specific type of stock. Um, I covered metals and mining and in like industrial stocks and figure out if they were a good buy or something that you should sell. And then I disseminated that information to portfolio managers around the world. And so I learned a lot about how the stock market worked. I got to talk to a lot of people who manage millions and billions of dollars and get to debate with them about the stock market. And so that was really fun. And then I moved after a few years to a hedge fund. So there there I was actually managing my own investment. So I went from telling people my recommendations to actually making my own choices and investing. But in that case, I invested in debt or bonds as opposed to stock. So bonds are basically debt that a company or a government owns you owes you 
we did high yield debt. So those are smaller, riskier companies that perform actually a little bit more like stocks, but that's what I did there. And so I love that work from an intellectual perspective. I met some really cool people. I got to do some really amazing things. But when my son was born, I realized this huge disjunct that we had between my values and the work that I did, both from a work-life balance perspective, you work a lot of hours in that type of job, right? You're working 70 to 80 hours a week on average, sometimes more, sometimes you're traveling or gone and, and that's difficult. And I wasn't having that impact that I wanted to have of like actually helping people better their lives. Hedge fund investing, that level of investing is really about helping rich people get richer. And that wasn't the impact I wanted to leave on the world. And so while doing my job, I started a hobby blog that was originally, it's the origin of Smart Money Mamas, but it was called Mama Fish Saves at the time. And it was just to answer money questions from women in my Facebook moms group. We've all had those Facebook moms groups. And so I started answering questions and I absolutely loved getting to help women build confidence with money and see the impact of just getting one mindset shift, one understanding of a term that gave them confidence to go do big things. And so uh, right before my second child was born, I left uh, my job and we chose to do this full-time. And now I've been running it full-time for about four years. My, I left my job three weeks before my son was born and he turns four on Sunday. So. Sorry, me to myself. That's so exciting. So one thing that stuck out to me in your story, and I just want to clarify is did you first manage and invest for other people's money before you invested your own, before you started doing it for yourself? No. So as soon as I was actually got my first job when I was 16, I started investing um, on my own. That would be now when we think about investing, what we often think about is people like picking stocks. You think of those videos you've seen from old movies of the New York Stock Exchange where people are yelling and like trading stocks. It's not how it really works, right? And in general, for the average person, you want to buy what's called index funds. So index funds, imagine a basket and you put a piece of all the different stocks that are available in your basket and you get you get to take that basket. And so instead of owning one thing, you own a little bit of everything. And it means that you always perform in line with the market. You don't outperform and you don't have years where you're way lower. And so research has shown that you are more likely to succeed doing that than trying to pick stocks, even when you're a super professional and that is your job, right? Like when you work on Wall Street, that is your job. The reason for that is we're trying to predict the future, right? We're trying to look and see which stock is going to, what company is going to grow, what's going to become popular, what's going to be the next trend. And we can't know that. And so sometimes you're right, but like a good, a good stock picker is right like 52% of the time. And, and that's really the bar. And so we, so I started owning index funds. I started my, my first investment account when I got my first job. And so I was already I had those accounts. And then my next job was researching stocks and making recommendations to others who manage other people's money. They also manage their own money, but their main job is to manage these multi-million, multi-billion dollar funds of other people's money. And then when I went to my next job, then I was doing that. Then I managed, when I left my job, I had been managing a $1.4 billion portfolio. Okay. Oh man. Just you talking. I've got like, I'm like question, like, it's just like opening up question and question and question. I love it. Um, so some, so my son here, let me, let me figure out where I want to go first with this. Did your parents invest? Is that why you were, you opened up your investment accounts or was it just something that you were interested in? So it came from the fact that I, my parents talked about investing and did invest. My dad um, was a software developer and he wrote very esoteric software that nobody really needs to know all the details about, but what it did, it was price mutual funds. So mutual funds are index funds are a type of mutual fund. It's like one of those baskets that holds multiple things. And so he talked to me all the time about what mutual funds were and why we should invest and what the fees were. And then even more than him, his business partner um, was very, was early on in the like financial independence, stealth wealth kind of movement. He was back when, so Vanguard guys is this huge um, company. It's like one of the number one low cost investment options, right? They offer amazingly low fees and these and great resources. And so the guy who started um, Vanguard is named John Bogle. And so there's this whole community of people when Vanguard started that that known as the Bogleheads, and they just followed all of his advice and things like that. And so my dad's business partner was one of those people. And so he had taught me and given me investing books at a young age. 
And so you can open an IRA as soon as you have earned income. Now it still has to be managed by your parents. So like you can't legally own your own investments until you turn 18, but it can be opened in your name by a parent and you can put your own money into it. And so we, I started right away when I turned 16. I love it. Okay. So for those listening, this is one thing that really clicked for me last year was that we, you know, we've had savings for our kids. We finally got into a place where, you know, we have enough income to like be able to consistently do that in a way that feels pretty meaningful to my kids' future. And then I had this uh, experience where I saw on my, like, I guess I didn't learn any financial literacy (laughs) really growing up. I told Chelsea before we got on that my grandparents sat down and had one conversation with me when I was 18, but that was it. And so last year I got this little notification of a deposit in my bank account and it was like interest, whatever, right? Based on my my, uh, balance. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And it was teeny, teeny, tiny, such a teeny, teeny, tiny little percentage of interest that I had earned. And I was excited about it. And then I happened to see an article, or maybe I think we were talking about like TikTok too. I'm on Instagram. So it was a real, I'm pretty sure talking about interest earned through mutual funds, low or not, not mutual funds, low cost index funds. Mm. And it was like average, like 7%. And I was like, wait, that doesn't sound right because I just got like 0.015% in my checking account. Why is it 7% over there? And then I started diving into it and I was kind of mad that I hadn't heard about this before. Um, And then I felt like this really deep responsibility to tell my kids about it before Mm. they get out into the real world. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about your thoughts about that on the parents' role as well as One thing that she puts in her free guide that I will link for you is why it's so important for moms. Mm. It's important for everyone, but especially moms. I'm going to answer that. Absolutely. But before we do that, we're mincing some terms in your story there. And I want to make sure we're really clear. Um, So the interest that you get in your standard savings account, right, which is going to be that teeny, teeny, tiny number. It's usually like 0.05% banks pay between 0.05 and 0.07%. It's why when you get that deposit, it's like, you had earned 17 cents or whatever it is, right? It's very, very small. But interest is a guaranteed number based on whatever your bank's interest rate is. So there's not a lot of risk there. Your money is safe. It's just, as long as it's in the savings account, that's the balance that you're gonna have and you're gonna get this teeny tiny interest rate. The next level up would be what we consider a high yield savings account. And so those are often digital banks that don't have the, the overhead of a physical location and they pay a slightly higher rate. So they'll pay currently in the market anywhere from 0.7 to 0.8%. So a lot more than your bank, but not a ton. And so that number fluctuates based on what's happening in the in the economy. And so 0.7, 0.8% is, is actually very, very low. We're at historically low interest rates. There's been times in the past where that's been two, 3%, but right now it's low. Then you get into investing. And so when you look at like a stock market, mutual fund, index fund, what you're actually seeing is returns. And the reason that you can get on a long-term basis um, what we've averaged over the life of the stock market is around seven to eight uh, percent adjusted for inflation. The reason that is that you're taking some risk. You're owning tiny pieces of ownership and lots of stocks in whatever is in your mutual fund basket. And some of those companies are going to do well, and some of them are not going to do well. And sometimes we're going to see like the crash that we saw in 2008 and the money that you put in is going to decline in value in that moment, right? So you put in you know, $1,000, you hit a stock market crash, like in 2008, where the market goes down 30, 40%. And so now you only have, you know, $600 in the market. Um, but if you leave it in over time, one of the benefits of investing is you have to think about this very long term. The worst thing you can do when you start investing is you see that day and it will come. The market is very cyclical. We see ups and downs. We've been in a historically incredibly long up cycle. So typically a whole market cycle from the top to the bottom. Ooh, I just hit my microphone. From the top to the bottom lasts about seven years. Our last downturn was in 2008. So we're going into 14 years of up cycle. And so the downturn will come, but a lot of investors that are millennials haven't experienced that. Maybe we saw the downturn as we came out of college and it affected our job choices, but we've never had to watch our investment accounts crash. And it affects how we think about investing and that it doesn't have any risk. It does have risk. 
And so the worst thing you can do is sell when the market is down. You want to just leave it in there, let it ride. You still own the same number of shares, the same number of units of your mutual fund. They're just worth a little less now. But if you sell and you buy them back when those units are more expensive, now you're going to have fewer units. You're going to lock in that loss. And so you can get that 7 to 8%, sometimes more, sometimes less, depending on the year of the market with stocks, um, but it's not like an interest rate. That's very different. And bonds are be, would be the step between a high-yield savings account and stocks. So bonds are when companies, like I was mentioning earlier, the type of investing I used to do, when a company or a government owes you money. So just like you make a monthly mortgage payment um, or you pay interest on a credit card debt, your company or your or the country that you have given you've bought their bond, they pay you an interest rate every three to six months, um, and that's fixed. Now the value of that bond can also fluctuate. It just fluctuates a lot less than a stock because you do have that IOU, you do have that debt where they owe you back a certain amount of money at the end of the term. Thank you for clarifying that, Annie. <laughs> go, <laughs> go get go check out her guide because it's a really well put together, simple to follow guide for these basic terms. Like that's what she starts off with. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I even told Chelsea, like I've, I've been wanting to talk to people about this, but I don't know. I mean, I know what I'm doing for myself. I'm not qualified to teach as you can tell, as I mix up <laughs> the basic terms. <laughs> I just want to make sure that people don't get into investing and think that they're guaranteed to get some seven or 8% return and then be disappointed yeah. when that doesn't happen in a certain year. Yeah, no, I'm really glad that you explained that too, because I did read it in your guide and then just hearing you explain it uh, makes it make a lot more sense for me. Yeah. Um, so okay. your question had been, why is it important for moms to invest, right? That was your original question. And then what is our role teaching our kids? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, with moms, there is still a gender pay gap and absolutely a large gender wealth gap that we see in our society. And so there's many reasons for that. We won't necessarily get into it, but women are still paid less than men. We also live longer than men. So we are earning less money that we have to save to have us last longer in retirement because our retirements on average will be longer. You add to that, that as mothers, when we look at the gender pay gap, the vast majority of that gap is actually a motherhood gap. And so every for every child you have, the average hourly pay that women earn goes down. And that's not considering women who step out of the workforce. That's saying for the same number of hours you work, you're getting a lower pay. So that's all, it's all equal. So once again, if you're, if you're a mother, you're earning less money, you need to live longer. You're, you're going to live longer, so you need to save more. And so the really only way to do that, to make sure that you have enough money at the end of your life for retirement and all those years we want to kind of relax and vacation and hang out with our grandkids and things like that, we need to get our money working for us. We can't earn enough dollars without those dollars also going out and working and earning more dollars because that's what investing actually is. It's putting your money to work for you so that the money you have earns more money and that money continues to compound and grow over time. It's like a snowball. And so for women, investing is important for everybody because when you think about your working life, you want to you know, graduate college at 22 or whenever you graduate college and work till 65. So we're talking about 43 years of working. And then currently, if you're a young millennial, top of Gen Z, whatever, we're expected to live almost 100 years. And so then we have on the back end, 30 plus years of no working that we want to live, right? And so to do that, we have to have money building on itself so that we can reach that point. So it's just even more important for women because of that pay gap, because of time out of the workforce as well. That's another thing we want to touch on that that, that is separate from the pay gap, but it does build into the wealth gap where we are more likely to take time off to care for kids, to care for aging parents. And those are years where we're not earning money. And so we have to be putting our money to work for us as efficiently as possible. Yeah, I love it. And just one other thing too, that I want to encourage anyone listening to, and what I hope that you can get from this episode, I think another thing that works against mothers specifically is that investing sounds intimidating it seems like there's this stereotype around it that like you said it's like people on wall street like yelling and like waving their hands and they're like trading and and even if that's not the stereotype that you that you think of the one that i thought of was like i'm a mom like i thought that it was like walking into a bank or like walking into some sort of professional office with people in suits who are like gonna look at me with a spit up on my shirt and be like why is she here 
and you can invest from your own home. Like you don't have to go, you don't, you don't have to, I don't know, maybe Chelsea disagrees, but you don't have to do it with somebody. Like you don't have to go in. Okay. So for the vast majority of people, you're not going to need a person, right? Investing can be very simple and there's fees associated with working with someone that there are benefits. So if you're someone who's very nervous about investing, who you think that in those downturns, in those moments, when you watch your balance go down, you're going to want to panic and sell a good advisor. And that would mean bare minimum, a fee only certified financial planner, because not all financial advisors have what's called fiduciary duty. So fiduciary duty is a responsibility to do what is in the best interest of your client. Less than 10% of financial advisors have fiduciary duty. Um, So they have to, they have to follow what's called best fit, which is they have, they can't give you things that actively harm you, but they don't have to give you the best thing for you. And so you want somebody who has fiduciary duty, which would be a fee only certified financial planner. Um, but you don't need anybody. You can do it from your home. And I think that there's a lot working against us when you think about women and money mindset, where we're taught from a young age in the language people use around us, in the expectations that are placed on us, in whether or not we got allowance. And if we did, did we get less than our brothers? Because statistically, you probably did get less than your brothers. Things like that, that we are, we internalize this idea that as women, as mothers, we're not good with money, that that is somebody else's responsibility. It's dad's responsibility. It's our husband's responsibility. And while that has shifted to some extent, you now see that in over two thirds of US households, the woman, woman is the one that manages the budget. That has not yet expended, extended into long-term thinking. And so while we manage the day-to-day and making ends meet, like for example, you've never seen a couponing site aimed at men, right? This is all women. Um, On the investing side, on the building wealth, on the thinking about retirement, that is still very male dominated. And so what I want to encourage you just in this moment is to remember that over 90% of spending decisions in the U.S., are determined by women, which means we have massive financial power. We have massive decision-making power and you already make important decisions for your family every day. And so if you can just filter that to, if I could just think about my spending carefully, align it with my values so that I have a little bit more money to play with to put towards my future, what kind of future am I building? Because that last piece of the puzzle that I wanna tell you, and this is really important for moms, is they did a study asking men what they would do with money if they were like, if they had a windfall, if they had a big business success, like what would they do with money? And overwhelmingly, the answer were were things that personally benefited them, right? So it's getting a new boat, it's getting a new truck, it's doing, I'm making some big generalizations here, but that's basically what the answer was. On the women's side, the vast majority of answers is what that money would do for their families. And so when we look at, wanting to create communities that are thriving, when we want to have kids that go out into the world with good money lessons, with the ability to help them with college, if that's one of your goals, to help them with weddings, if that's one of your goals, you being in control and in knowledge of what is happening with your investments and your long-term financial planning is really going to strengthen that, what we call your financial ecosystem as a family, right? Not only are you stronger, you and your partner, if you have one, but your kids are stronger, your communities are stronger because you're also controlling the dollars that get spent. So you can start to think about, do I want to support the local bookstore versus shopping on Amazon? Do I want to, you know, how do I want to flow my money into the world to make it a powerful thing? Yeah, I love that. I agree. More money in the hands of moms is always a good thing because we're going to use it for our people and you know the things that we're passionate about and that we believe in Mm -hmm. and i just wanted to wrap this little segment of the episode up with and let you know that you're smart enough to do this you're smart Mm -hmm. enough to do this you're good enough you're good with money and uh, once you start taking small steps that you can get through chelsea's guide and probably throughout the rest of this episode once you start taking those steps it's really empowering and it's really exciting And I just want to let you know that it might sound scary to think about scary to try, but you're smart (laughs) enough to do it. And you're, yeah, you're, you've got, you can totally do it. It's really not that scary. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, Okay. So my, I have a simple kind of like tangible question, but the other thing that I thought was like, you have to be debt free before you start investing. What are your thoughts on that? 
So you don't have to be debt-free before you start investing. I think that if you have high interest debt, there's two things that I would check off before I start investing. First, if you have high interest debt, this is credit card debt. This is anything over like an 8% interest rate, 8 to 9% interest rate. Your goal should be to pay that debt off first or do it in tandem with your starting of investing. Because like we said, the long-term average return of the stock market is somewhere between 7 and 8%. And so if you're continuing to pay that interest, you're coming out at a net negative or net even, right? It's more important to just stop paying that interest than it is to get the investment returns because you're paying off any returns you're getting in interest anyway. The second thing is to make sure you have some kind of emergency fund. So the last thing that we want to happen is you get started investing, you're putting money in, you're really excited. And then something happens where you need that cash and it happens in a moment where the stock market is down. So we talked about the stock market being volatile. And so now that money is in that moment worth, worth less, but you have to sell, even though I said earlier, that's the worst decision you can make is sell when the market is down. You have to do it to cover whatever emergency expense you have. So we want to make sure that we're out of high interest debt and that we um, have an emergency fund. Beyond that, it's really a personal choice. If you have student loans, a car loan that's relatively low interest, a mortgage, you should absolutely be investing before that point. You should also always be investing if you have access to a 401k that offers a match, any kind of match. And what that means is a lot of companies will say, if you put in 4%, we'll match half of that and put in an additional 2%. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry, one second. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Um, put in an additional 2%, that's free money. In that example, that's a 50% instant return. Some companies do an equal match. Like you put in 3%, we'll put in 3%. That's a 100% instant, instant return. We don't turn down free money. And so no matter what's happening with your debt situation, make sure you're at least getting the match in your 401k. We don't want to be turning down free money. Um, but otherwise, yeah, you can start investing a lot sooner than people think. They need to think they need to check all these boxes, but really just having an emergency fund and making sure you're out of or in the process of getting out of high interest debt, that's enough. Okay. So I have another question because these are things that I kind of explored before I really knew like, oh, like this is something that I should really be focusing on. Um, apps like Acorns or that's the only one I know of. Do you, mm. for me, it seemed or seems like it's a good option if you don't have a lot of, you know, extra money at the end of the month, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, which is most families, right? Um, do you think that things like Acorns are a good idea or a good tool to use? What are your thoughts on those? So there are good entryway for a lot of people if you're nervous about investing to just kind of start to get the idea of how investing works. It's not the best choice with what's currently available on the market. So when you look at um, options, which are called robo-advisors, so these are things that they're going to manage what's in your portfolio based on your goals. They're going to do that for you. They're a little bit more expensive than completely doing it yourself, but but very mi mildly. But Betterment and Wealthfront, which are two of the biggest ones, they have no minimums. So very similar to Acorns, even if you can only put in $5 a week. You can keep going. I just have to open the door for her. Okay. <laughs> um, even if you can only put in $5 a week, $5 a month, they have no minimums. And so you can get started right away and do that. That is going to be a much lower fee than Acorns because what Acorns and similar products tell you is that they're going to charge you a monthly fee. It's only going to be a dollar or $2 or $3. And that seems really mild, right? Dollar to $3 to get started investing doesn't seem like a big deal. But when you look at it as a, on a percentage basis, so if you only have an investment account with $50 on, in it, that $1 a month is 2% fees. We don't like people to look over 0.5% fees, right? And so we really want to make sure we're optimizing any money you can put in. And so you can do that at Betterment or Wealthfront. And even big managers like Fidelity now have zero minimums for customers to come in and buy index funds, index fund ETFs. And so you can get started with just a couple of dollars. So that's where I would go first is a Betterment or Wealthfront or a Fidelity. Um, but in general, it's not a bad option if you just want to dip your toe in the water for a couple months and just watch how the market fluctuates. That's totally fine. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did when I was like, oh, this is interesting. You know, I can earn a return. You know that now, <laughs> earn a return, not interest. Um, 
And they do, you know, when money is tight, they do the things like roundups where if you attach it to your debit card and you spend a dollar fifty, they'll take that fifty cents, round it up to a dollar, and put it into your investment account. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just kind of, I mean, I feel like it's a simple way to get, yeah, like you said, get started, kind of like learn the terms, see what it actually looks like. Um, mm. Because I think one of my just listening to this conversation, I think one of my biggest hurdles to starting this was coming from a family who has pretty old school beliefs that women aren't smart enough to do this. Um, because I actually told a family member last year, I was so excited. I was like, cause I make my own money. Mm-hmm. I do that. I am able to do that. And I was really excited about like investing my own money now. And her response was, are you doing it with your husband? And I was like, no, like <laughs> I learned how to do this with my money. Um, and not to say that, like, I don't think you, you should just exclude your husband, but it was like, I'm smart enough to do this. Right. Like yeah. I tell him about it and I tell him what I'm doing and, you know, we have conversations about how much and, but it, it, yeah, like that, that blew my mind of like, what? Like, what so people mean? still think that way, but another, you know, we can pull some more research out. Studies show that women are actually on average better investors than men. We ask for help when we need it, um, which is a big one, right? Anyone who's ever been lost on a road trip with your husband, like we ask for help when we need it. And we tend to be more level-headed and more researched in our decisions. So um, on average, men will try to beat the market to pick stocks, to win when things are up and whatever, to, to try to tell the future more than women will. We're more likely to pick a strategy and stick to it long-term, which is how you get better returns. And so not only are you smart enough to do this, you're probably better at it than a lot of men in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's what I did. And I think that little bit of doubt that was instilled in me from a young age of like, or that just get a husband to do it, um, motivated me to be more you know, research at all and really understand it all and be really, really confident in the decisions that I'm making for myself and my money. Um, which was another thing that I had written down in my notes that you said at the beginning was like a lot of us fear, you know, this whole process and it's, that's, that's, it's just not a good thing to fear something that we need. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. And it's similar to like, we get a lot of people that come to us, Krista, and they're like, just tell me the answer. So I never have to think about this again. Right. They're like, just fix it. And so I can ignore it, but very similar to food, very similar to clutter in our home. Right. We have to interact with it every day. We cannot ignore it. Like if, even if you have an eating addiction, you have a food eating disorder, you can't avoid food. It's just an, it's a rational part. And so we have to learn how to deal with it. And money is the same way. It's a, it's part of our lives. It interacts with everything we do. And really, when you think about it, it impacts where you grocery shop, where your kids go to school, where you live, where you go on vacation, what cars you buy, all of those things are impacted by money. And so we have to get comfortable thinking about it. And it's why, frankly, we decided to create a membership at Smart Money Mamas as opposed to kind of like a signature course. We went back and forth, but we really, I think as women need to be surrounded by other women who are feeling empowered and are making these moves together because it can feel like stepping out of your element a little bit, especially when you get beyond just the basic comfort with it and really start to want more for yourself and your family and really want to build wealth and build businesses and things like that it's still hard to talk about that with people in our lives sometimes. And so having a community of women you can come to who will be like, heck yeah, you can do that. It's just really helpful. Yeah. And so I'll put all of your information for everybody to go find that, but, um, being a part, cause you brought me in for your membership for one month. That was like one of the most fun groups <laughs> I've ever been a part of. And you, if you all want support, definitely go check out the smart money mamas, um, group. And okay. So that, I think this is a good segue into, I have a question for you. Let me know if you want to do this or not, but, um, I know your guide kind of walks through like how to get started, what to actually do. Mm -hmm. Would you mind if I shared with you how I got started last year? Mm -hmm. And then you can kind of tell me like you did earlier, like, wait, okay. It's not interest. It's a return. Um, and maybe just point out any gaps or holes so that people listening can feel like it's really not that scary. Sure. Um, and you can do it. Okay, cool. Um, so just a real quick, simple guide or not guide. This is not a guide. Everybody, this is me just sharing with you what I did. Um, but last year I was like, I want to invest, right? Like, I feel like I know how to do it, but figuring out the technical steps of like, how do I get my money? 
from my bank into investing, like it was just, it felt really overwhelming. So it's as simple as this. Choosing a company that you want to invest in, right? Um, I can tell you the one that I used. And then if I heard correctly, you recommend Fidelity. Vanguard. Vanguard. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So I actually went with, I want to hear your honest opinion on this. It will not hurt my feelings. (laughs) I will trust you. What about an app like Robinhood or something else. <laughs> okay. So for those who are listening in the podcast, I just made a, a really bad face. So okay, yeah. <laughs> Robinhood has had some really horrible issues with customer treatment and how those apps get managed. They also are owned by a large bank. And so there's times when they've shut off access to trading for certain stocks. Um, it's, I wouldn't go there. There's a, when a Robinhood came about, it was really supposed to be this way to equalize investing for a very long time. You really did actually have to have a broker, a guy with a suit before the the dawn of the internet. And you had to pay, you guys might remember, and and maybe not, I was just a weird kid. So I paid attention to these commercials (laughs) way back when, when there was like the E-Trade commercials of like $4.95 a trade, like whatever it is. So trading wasn't free. And there was a lot of cost associated with that, which meant if you didn't have a lot of money to invest, it was really prohibitive. So Robinhood came about as this first, they were the first free trading platform, no commission trading platform. That is now very much, pretty much everywhere, right? Like there's no commission trading at Vanguard. There's no commission trading at Fidelity, at Charles Schwab. Like most places now have that option. And the difference is you always have to ask, where are they making their money? if they don't have a commission, right? If they don't have a membership. And so one of the ways that they do that um, is selling data. That's hugely problematic. Another way that they do it is encouraging what we call margin trading. So margin trading is trading money you don't have. So they lend you money and you invest it. This is a very advanced tactic and it is a very risky tactic. Um, you might've seen the headlines last year that somebody with a Robin Hood account, this poor boy, uh, teenage boy, I think he was 21 or 19, somewhere in that range, uh, killed himself because his he was trading on margin. It was actually a blip in the app. It was not actually even the correct numbers, but Robin Hood showed him that he was like, $40,000 in the, the hole for margin that he was going to have to pay back that day. Um, and he panicked. So because the way it works is you have to have a certain amount of money put up as collateral, similar, like when you have a home. And so if you've bought a stock that then goes down a lot, your margin that you need goes up, you need more cash. And so he didn't have that cash. Now it turns out the app was wrong. He didn't owe that much money, uh, but he was a kid and he was way over his head because Robinhood gave him access to something that young investors should not have access to, and, and most investors should not have access to, and he got upside down. Now, that is an extreme case, but we've seen things like this happen with Robinhood multiple times. They're facing all kinds of user lawsuits. It's not where I would go. Um, I would pick a Vanguard or a Fidelity first, and if you want more help, then I'd go to like a Betterment or a Wealthfront. Okay, perfect. Thank you for that feedback. And for everyone <laughs> listening... I, I was hoping that Chelsea would be okay with me sharing this so that you could see that you don't have to do it perfectly because mm-hmm. guess who got a Robin hood account <laughs> <laughs> because when I was searching for it and here's another thing that happened and I hope this is help, like helpful for people. I'm like looking on my phone through the app store and I saw, you know, I saw Charles Schwab. I saw fidelity. I saw Vanguard. Um, and then I saw things like Robin hood. And again, in my head, now that I'm having this conversation with you, thank you, Chelsea, is that it felt like they were too smart for me. It's, it felt like I'm just a mom, you know, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, some, you know, a, a, a name like Charles Schwab, who's, you know, pretty big name. Like I recognize that name as like a wall street name. I was like, well, that's not for me, right? Like that's too much for me. I don't have enough money for that. Um, I'm not going to use that. And so I will be switching out yeah, of my it, Robinhood account into something better. And you can't always do that, right? Any de- decision that you make is not permanent and it's not like at the end of the world. And so you can always move money from one type of account to another. And with Robinhood, they have really good marketing. It's similar to Acorns where they're like, it's investing for everybody. Like no matter where you're, they very much focus on that new investor. 
Um, which also for me always makes me a little bit nervous of like, unless you are putting a ton of time and money into your education side of the platform, that always makes me a little bit nervous when someone's like actively going up after people who don't have all the knowledge. And Robinhood also became very popular on TikTok influencers sites, right? And there's many reasons for that. One of which is if you refer somebody to Robinhood with your Robinhood link, you get a free stock. And so it's benefiting people to, re- to um, recommend Robinhood. And two, we talk our own books. And so this is something I just want to mention. It's I want to get back to your story, Krista, because I, I think this is going to be helpful. But I want to mention that anytime you see somebody on Instagram, on TikTok, on even like email newsletters telling you to buy specific stocks, you see that TikTok is like five hot stocks to buy right now, right? They're very popular. They're popular on YouTube too. First of all, legally, they're not supposed to do that. <laughs> Like there's a lot of regulation around who can give stock recommendations, what kind of certifications you need and how you give those recommendations. The SEC has not yet caught up to how do we deal with influencers um, and the internet. So there's still that going on. But what happens with when you don't have that regulation is people do what's called talking their book. So what likely happens is that guy with a million followers owns those five stocks. So he comes to his million followers and he says, you know what you should do? You should buy these five stocks and supply demand, people start to buy it, it pushes the price up, he sells and makes money, and now he moves on to the next five hot stocks, right? And so not everybody is a bad actor, but we don't wanna take that kind of individual stock advice from people who we don't know their credentials, who are making big claims on media platforms just because we wanna know that that's not legal, that's not a thing that we should be doing. Wow, yeah, thank you for that. I. All of these things, I just didn't, I just didn't know. Oh, of course. Um, so, okay. So I'm switching out of my Robinhood account, reminding myself I belong in a better, yeah, it's just, it's not, it's not an exclusive thing. You guys no. you can fit into any, any category. And then I'm pretty sure they all work basically the same way because I did, I, did, I even downloaded, like, I don't remember which one, if it was Vanguard or Fidelity, but you just link up your bank account. You're mm-hmm. able to transfer just for simplicity, a hundred dollars over to Vanguard. And then you choose what you want to put that money into. And it's mm-hmm. just, I say, it's that, that simple. It's that easy, right? It's that, it's not simple, like it's just that easy. And so it mm-hmm. sounds really intimidating and I guess in some way it kind of is, but it's also that simple. Yeah. So the first type, so the one thing that we we've missed in this step is that there's, people who manage the investments, right? So they're Vanguard, Fidelity, Charles Schwab, Robinhood. Those are the people that give you access to investing. Then there's the type of accounts that you hold. So similar to at a bank, you have a checking account or a savings account. At investing, you have a lot of different types of accounts. So you have what's like a standard taxable account. I would consider that like your checking account. There's no tax benefits for benefit to investing in those accounts. You can access the money anytime without penalty. That's your money. Then there's a whole slew of retirement accounts. The most popular that you guys would hear about um, most often is things like 401ks and 403bs. If you have traditional employment, that's what most companies offer. And those, you can't go open your own 401k. That is only comes through your employer, um, unless you're self-employed and you want to open your own 401k for your business. But otherwise it has to be done through a business. Then there are IRAs, which are called, which stands for individual retirement accounts. There's two types. There's traditional and Roth. All we need to understand about that is traditional accounts, you pay taxes later, Roth accounts, you pay taxes now. We can get into the pluses and minuses, but that's the main difference, okay? Individual retirement accounts give you some tax benefits. So with traditional accounts, you reduce your taxable income in the year you put money in by the amount you put into your traditional account. So you max out at $6,000 a year. If you put $6,000 into your traditional IRA, when you go to do your taxes at the end of the year, you get to subtract $6,000 from the income you earned this year. So you get a tax deduction. When you take the money out in retirement, any money you take out year upon year, you pay income taxes in the future. The benefit of that is the money grows tax-free that whole time. So you don't pay any capital gains tax. You don't pay any income tax all the way until you retire. And then when you take the money out, you pay income tax. Um, Another reason that works is you're typically earning, quote unquote, earning less in retirement because you're only pulling out what you need to live on. And so you're paying, you're in a lower tax bracket. With a Roth account, you don't take that tax deduction today, but that money grows tax-free all the way into retirement. And when you take it out in retirement, you pay no taxes. 
And so for people who think that the tax rates are going to go up in the US over the next 20 or 30 years, Roth is a better choice. So you have all you have these three kind of buckets of accounts. So when you go to Vanguard, when you go to Fidelity, when you go to Charles Schwab, they're going to ask you what kind of account do you want? Do you want a taxable account or do you want a retirement account? For many people, if you don't yet have a retirement account, start with a retirement account because you want to get those tax benefits. Um, it's going to make that your money worth even more over time. So if you're trying to save for retirement, choose a retirement account. You're going to connect your bank account, just like you said, Krista. You're going to put money in, and then you're going to have to wait until that money hits your account. So it's going to take two to three days. The money's going to hit your account. And then what you have to remember to do is log back in and choose which investments you want with that money. It is very, very sad, the people that we have seen, and, and this happens more often than, than I like to think about, um, people open a 401k with their company when they start, they set up their contra salary contributions, um, and then they never go in and set their investments. And so they work at a job for 20 years, they put all kinds of money into it, they get to the end of that career, and their money hasn't grown at all. It's grown as far as the deposits, but it hasn't been invested. And they're wondering where all their investment returns are. And it's because they never chose an investment. So you have to do that last step where you choose an investment. But it's actually a very simple process. We recorded um, an entire YouTube video. Where there's a member of my team that didn't have a retirement account yet. And so I recorded a whole video of opening her account for her and actually picking the investments and exactly what you have to do. And so if you're overwhelmed, the video is only like 25 minutes. Like you can do the whole process in 25 minutes. And that's even me stopping to explain to you every step. Um, you can watch that video, but it's really not that hard. Oh my gosh, thank you for that. And um, I don't remember where I heard it, but it, last year I heard it too. That was another reason I was like, oh my gosh, I need to figure this out. Uh, there was a teacher who worked, you know, she taught for like 40 years, which is like, you know, the the, I was a teacher mm -hmm. and part of it was like, there's stability. And she had her, her account, like her savings, 401k or whatever. And I thought they automatically did that for you. And she assumed that as well. And they did not. And so she had nothing other than the same dollar amount that she was saving from 40 years ago, which is not worth the same yeah you know, we know gas used to be 50 cents a gallon and now it's like $3 a gallon. She was saving that. And now it's not worth that at all. It's devastating. And so my biggest takeaway from that was like, you can't, you really can't just trust that someone's going to do this for you. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't trust that it's just going to work itself out. You really got to take the steps to figure out how to do this. And so on that note, Chelsea, I do have your free guide, hundred percent recommend it. It, it is, it's robust and it's simple. It will cover a lot of what we talked about in here today. You'll just get mm -hmm. it in writing in a really simple format. Um, but can you tell us a little bit more about your membership? Because I know a little bit about it. I would love to know more. And then I would love for everybody who wants more support to go get into that. Yeah. So um, our membership is called the Motivated Mama Society, and it's really meant to be a holistic look at money. So the foundation of it is a in-depth course called Foundations. It's five modules. It's going to take you through building a positive money mindset. So if you have a lot of money fears, you feel like you can't do this, you feel like you've screwed up in the past, whatever it is, um, we're going to work on your money mindset. Then we're going to figure out where you actually stand. We're going to get up close and look at your money. And then we're going to develop the next three modules are all about setting your goals and creating a wealth building system that works with your personality and with your goals. I am a huge believer that personal finance is personal. There is no one right way to do this. It is about aligning it with your priorities and goals. And so that's what we do. But on a monthly basis, we have a ton of resources depending where you are in your journey. We do a live masterclass every month. That's where Krista visited us a couple months ago. Um, we do a live Q&A every month where we do some giveaways and fun things where I answer any questions you have about money or business um, or mindset things. We do a book club every other month. And then twice a month, what we do, which is a lot of fun, is we do group work sessions, which take advantage of the idea of body doubling. So like you're seeing other people working and so you're motivated to work psychologically, it's a huge impact. And so what we found was that a lot of women were saying, hey, I really want to work on my mindset. I really want to work on my money, but I don't have the time. And so this lets you block on your calendar with your family. I'm going to be on with all these other women for an hour. You can't bother me. And so we do that twice a month. And then you get to work on if you want to watch old masterclass. Classes. We have a whole vault of over 30 classes on everything from budgeting to investing to decluttering and even, you know, estate planning and business startup, things like that. We do challenges. 
but it's really just a lot of fun. We'd love to see you in there. Um, we're currently doing a financial reset challenge for January, which you do like a little bite-sized task every day. Everybody's got a bingo board that they're working on for some prizes as well. And so we just try to make money a normal part of our conversation in life so that we can teach that to our kids and really have a generational change in how we all think about money. Love it. So I just have to say, I did not know that you did those twice a month um, sessions, which for everyone listening, one of the biggest parts about joining Decluttering Simplified, the course that I have is that we meet twice a month for 30 minutes at a time to declutter together. And it sounds like it's the same kind of format of like, I'm going to turn on some music for you all. Mm -hmm. This is your time to declutter. You know what's happening 30 minutes, twice a month. That's all it takes is like these bite-sized habits. I I knew that we had a lot in common and you know, we're really aligned, but that was, that was fun to hear that we have that same kind of structure. Yeah, no, it's a great resource. Yeah. Um, and then for everybody listening, I highly recommend the community. I showed up um, not having met anyone in the, in their group for their call and they were just warm and inviting and friendly and funny and um, so much fun. There's a huge overlap, you know, that I've talked about a lot too on other podcast episodes the relationship between your clutter and your money, um, decluttering and your money, it's hundred, it's, it's related. Mm-hmm. They go together really well. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for being here, Chelsea. This was a lot of fun, really, really informative. And I hope you all go find Chelsea smart money mamas on Instagram is where mm-hmm. I follow you. Um, and then I'll send the guide and, and all of that into the description here. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Krista. This was lovely. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Hey, before you go, I have a question to ask you. Would you please leave me a five-star review if you are listening on iTunes? It helps me grow my show and reach more moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. If you love the show, I would love it if you shared something specific that you find valuable or helpful or that you just enjoy about listening to this show. It would mean the world to me if you took time out of your day to do that. And while you're at it, Head over to motherhoodsimplified.com to listen to more podcast episodes or check out our Facebook group, Instagram, just to connect on social media. If you love these episodes and if you love this show, please tag me. I love to connect with you over there. Podcasts are kind of like a one-way conversation where I feel like I'm talking to you and with you. But when you tag me on social media, I feel like we can take that one step further and actually connect with each other, which is the whole point of me starting this podcast and community in the first place is to be able to connect with moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. So tag me in your Instagram stories. I'm motherhood underscore simplified. Check out the motherhood simplified Facebook group or head over to the site and just find even more blogs, podcasts, decluttering courses to help you continue on your decluttering journey. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you soon.